What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Wednesday, January 20th, the year 2021. Got a lot of stuff to uh, talk about here today. Recap divisional uh, weekend of the NFL playoffs and uh, give you my thoughts on the four games that occurred this past weekend. Uh, got some off-season baseball news to address here in the program as well. And uh, But first, uh, I will begin the program with the uh, sports news of the day that are that isn't baseball-related. Uh, and that is the fact that uh, Philip Rivers, uh, quarterback in the NFL for 17 years, formerly of the Chargers and the Indianapolis Colts, this past uh, 20, uh, this past uh, 2020 uh, or yeah 2020 season, announced his retirement today. Um, and going to go coach high school football at one of them Catholic schools down in uh, Alabama, the state where uh, Philip Rivers is from. Now. I understand now. Now, where I'm going to, where I'm going with this. Okay, don't take it. Okay, the man, Philbert, he retired. Okay, he isn't dead, so it's not like that. It's pay your respects. You know, the man is a human being. He, uh, so I'm not gonna. Uh, so he's not dead. First off, he's not dead. He's retired. So I don't hear anyone contacting me, screaming and yelling. How can you do this, man? Retired. Bullcrap. Okay, he's retired, not dead, and if there's any time, more appropriate time to do it, it's now. And I am here to tell you that despite what the Charger Colt fan thinks, despite what Sean McDermott thinks, despite what Adam Shine, my man, Adam Shine thinks, despite what Melanie Collins of CBS Sports thinks, despite what many of people on social media, Instagram, and Twitter think, Philip Rivers is not, repeat, is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's not. He's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. Let me tell you why. First off, he has no all pros. What stands out to me when it comes to whether or not a player is worthy of getting inducted into the Hall of Fame is his all pros. First team and second team, Philip Rivers has none. No all pros. No MVPs. No MVPs. No Offensive Player of the Years. No Super Bowl appearances. I understand you can sit up here and say, well, does that declassify Dan Marino or Dan Fouts in the Hall of Fame? First off, 
don't make that unfair comparison because Dan Marino and Dan Fouts are are, and I know at least with Dan Marino they're light years better than Phil Rivers is, which is just an unfair comparison. Okay, that's another thing. Also, also, did you know? Did you know? Philip Rivers in playoff games. Playoff games now. Philip Rivers in playoff games is five and seven. Did you know that? Did you know that? Philip Rivers is five and seven. Five and seven in the playoffs. Okay? Five and seven. I could care less about the eight Pro Bowls. That's a popularity contest with the fans voting. Evan Ingram made the Pro Bowl, and he's the main reason why the Giants missed the playoffs. Marquise Pouncey is a quote-unquote Pro Bowl center. He had the bad snap in the playoff game against Cleveland, which essentially had a snowball effect, and Pittsburgh never recovered for the rest of the game. So throw out the Pro Bowls. That's popularity contest. And the two, and contrary to what Brendan thinks, the 2013 Comeback Player of the Year award means nothing as well. Means nothing. Means absolutely nothing. Means nothing. Okay? Here's what matters. Five and seven in the playoffs. No first team, nor no second team all pros. No MVPs. No Offensive Player of the Year awards. No records, okay? You can't sit up here and want me to make a big stink about the fact that he's fifth all-time in passing yards and touchdowns where he plays in a league post, let's say, to be fair, 1995, the last 25 years, where the game, where 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 the NFL has gone out of their way to cater the game to the offense and to the quarterback position. Gone out of their way to do it. Okay? It's easy to throw for 421 touchdowns and over 63,000 yards, you know, where if you breathe on the quarterback or touch him wrong or don't tackle him properly or land on him when you tackle him or touch him a half a second after the ball is released out of his hand, you get called for a 15-yard rough in the passer penalty. So you can't give me stats in a league that caters towards the offense. You can't do it. I'm sorry. I understand numbers are numbers, stats are stats, but those stats are in a vacuum. You play 17 years, you should finish within top 10, top 5 in passing yards and touchdowns in a league that's catered towards the offense and the quarterback position. Five and seven in the postseason, no Super Bowl appearances. And another thing, another thing that lets me know right off the bat that Philip Rivers is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. He where 
can you point to me in Philip Rivers' 17-year career that signature Hall of Fame moment? Sorry about that. That signature Hall of Fame moment. Montana, you can give me the drive in Super Bowl 23 to beat the Bengals. Montana, you can give me 81 NFC Championship game. The catch to the White Clark to defeat Dallas. Brady, I could be here for five years breaking down the Hall of Fame worthy moments of Brady's career. Even Peyton Manning's got a few of them. And he's won two Super Bowls. Been the four of them. Okay? Russell Wilson. And he's not... And he isn't even nowhere near to the back end of his career. But I can even give you a Hall of Fame moment with him. You want to know what it is? The comeback against Green Bay in the championship game back in 2014. And he's won a Super Bowl. I can give you... Uh, I, I I can give you uh, give me give me another one. I can give you um. Uh, Starbuck. I can give you moments with Bradshaw. I can give you moments with Bart Starr, Ice Bowl, nineteen and Ice Bowl to beat Dallas. I can give you. I could go back in time, Johnny Unitas to go that far, with a Hall of Fame quarterback, even with Fouts. 81 in the 81 divisional game to knock off Miami in the heat. I can give you with the Hall of Fame quarterback, even with Eli. I don't think Eli deserves anywhere near the Hall of Fame, but at least he's got two Super Bowls and the signature Hall of Fame-esque moments to back him up. You can fight me off. I I, I, I wouldn't put him in, but if Eli makes it into the Hall of Fame... I'll scream, but I'll, but I'll say at the end of the day, well, if you if you ever wanted to bend bend your criteria a little bit, it'd be for him because he did beat the greatest quarterback coach, quarterback and coaching head coaching combo of all time, Brady and Belichick twice. Granted, it was defense that played a part in, especially the first time. But let's not forget the drive with Manningham and then Tyree and all that. So I don't even like Eli. You know, to be in the Hall of Fame. But Eli gives me that signature moment. Where's Philip Rivers' signature moment? He's won playoff games, but none of them have been none of them have been in absolutely phenomenal, fantastic Hall of Fame courageous fashion. What, they beat the Bengals twenty four what, they beat the Bengals twenty seven to ten? The Bengals always lose playoff games. What, when they beat the Ravens twenty three seventeen and he wasn't magnificent in the games because Lamar Jackson was abysmal. What? Because he played it. He played in the a, in the in the AFC Championship game on a torn ACL and was pathetic in the game and lost to Brady. We should give him an award because he granted all the guts and toughness in the world. That no no question that I'm not going to not taking that away from him. But what we're going to put him in the Hall of Fame because he played on a on a busted up ACL against Brady and Belichick. Lost the game twenty-one to twelve, and his completion percentage was fifty-one percent. Threw for two eleven and two turn, and and threw for two interceptions in the game. We're gonna put him in the Hall of Fame now. Where's his Hall of Fame moment? Again, no All Pros, no MVPs, no Offensive Player of the Year awards, no records. 
that stand out like a sore thumb. No Super Bowl appearances, no Super Bowl titles, sub-500 record in the playoffs, and no signature Hall of Fame moment in his career. He does just good enough to have you fall one yard short. Even the last game he played against Buffalo a few weeks back. I mean, the that last he could he couldn't complete sixty percent of his passes that Saturday. Granted, he threw for three hundred yards, two touchdowns, but you know when Indianapolis had that had the ball last drive of the game to win and a knockoff heavily favored Buffalo. They wasted all the time in the world, couldn't manage the timeouts properly, and couldn't even get the ball past midfield. Yet Philip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback now. Really, he couldn't he couldn't move the he he and that Colts offense in the game about two weeks ago. They couldn't move the ball down the field. Had nine seconds left. They weren't. They didn't even get past midfield. Sub five hundred record in the playoffs. No All Pros. No Offensive Player of the Year awards. No MVPs. No nothing. Yet Hall. Yet I got. Yet I'm literally reading. You know, if it wasn't, if it was stuff on the inauguration, it was well. Philip Rivers. Hats off to Philip Rivers. A Hall of Fame career. We'll see you getting gold jacket guaranteed. I'm like, hold on now. Like, guys, pay attention. Look at the, look at the numbers. Look at the stats. Look at the highlights. You mean to tell me that when you watch Philip Rivers play in the NFL for 17 years? That you that you looked at him play and you said to yourself, ah, that's a Hall of Fame quarterback in the National Football League. You trying to tell me that? With a sub-500 record in the playoffs? And all he has to stand on is the fact that he's fifth? And probably by the, and probably by the time, he, if he does get inducted in Ken, whether it's the first try, second try, third time, he might even, he might not even be in the top ten by the time he gets into the freaking Hall of Fame. He's a first battle Hall of Famer, and he, he's fifth. And and that's going to be your argument: the fact that he's fifth in passing yards and fifth in touchdowns. When Brady doesn't like he's going to retire anytime soon, and you're going to have guys Russell, you're going to have the Russell Wilson, you're going to have the Russell Wilsons, the Aaron Rodgers who isn't finished yet, the Patrick Mahomes for sure. They're going to be breathing right down his neck, chasing every chasing every pa- uh, passing uh, record known to man and passing stat known to man, trying to climb up that list. Philip, you make the argument. You can make the argument if Philip Rivers makes it by the time, not even before his fifth year is up, he might fall out of the top ten on on with those two stats. So please, I understand tough to hold the Super Bowl against them. Okay, fine. Where is his All Pros? Where is his signature Hall of Fame worthy moment? Where is his Offensive Player of the Year award? Where, you know, give me a record. Give me a record that stands out. Where's his MVP? None of that. And you can't even okay look at his playoffs. He's five and seven. And it's not all his fault, okay? And it's not like and it's not making the yard. I understand that that the Chargers were a snake bitten franchise. 
but let's not act like that he didn't have that he didn't have competent guys around him. He had Antonio Gates as tight end and Ladanian Thompson as his running back. Stop. They had Jonathan Taylor, who's top five best running back in football this past season, and then they had Tyree Kill on top of it, and Frank Wright, who's a pretty who's a pretty damn good head coach. And it did nothing. Absolutely nothing. So regardless what it what you read on Instagram, Twitter, I'm not interested. I don't I don't I don't care what Brendan says. I don't care. I don't I don't care what Brendan says. I don't care what random people hit me up in the hit me up in the Instagram replies and, and hit me up on Twitter saying you don't know you don't know what you're talking about. You're just mad, you're a clown, this, that, and the oh, shut up and go to hell. Will you please? What I don't really because because I don't think Philip Rivers isn't a, a First ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, that means I don't know nothing about football. Shut up, guys. Get your head examined, will you please? All you idiots and you dopes I'm just fighting with on Twitter and Instagram all damn day long. Really? I Because I think that Philip Rivers, who is 5-7 and seven in the playoffs, not an all-pro, a MVP, an Offensive Player of the Year award to hang his hat on, and... I apparently know nothing about football because I think that he's not an Hall of Fame quarterback. Give me a freaking break. And the idea that he is a first ballot shoe in the can is absolutely ridiculous and utter nonsense. I don't understand where members of the media and 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 and, and, and these fans I hear that on social media that don't have a clue think that he's such a sure in for Canton. In what world? Because he's because he's top five in passing yards and passing touchdowns and a league that caters caters to the offensive side of the football. Did you not see on Saturday where Josh Allen literally got lightly shoved and essentially threw himself backwards five yards to get a to get a roughing the passer penalty? You think Phil Rivers is fifth all time in passing touchdowns and passing yards? If he's if he's playing fifty years ago, and another I and another notion I I got I was vomiting in my mouth reading this after uh, all throughout the day today. You know because what because Philip Rivers and 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 don't give I got I don't hate Philip Rivers. He's funny. He's charismatic. No hate against Philip Rivers whatsoever, but because Philip, but because Philip Rivers essentially has nine children and you know and 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 doesn't cuss and and talks like a, the hillbilly from Alabama that he is, because we like him, we should put him in the Hall of Fame. Really? Because he doesn't cuss, and he has nine children. And he's an overall nice, holy Roman Catholic. We should throw him in the Hall of Fame. Really? O.J. Simpson killed people. He's in the Hall of Fame. Lawrence Taylor wasn't exactly a Time Magazine's person of the year. He's in the Hall of Fame. T.O. was the worst teammate in the history of the National Football League. He's in the Hall of Fame. Does winning inducting guys into the Hall of Fame be- become a popularity contest? We gotta and we gotta induct Saints because they're such nice people. We should put them in the Hall of Fame, e- even though they don't deserve it. He's just such a nice guy. Okay, fine. 
He's a nice guy, good Roman Catholic, you know, doesn't cuss. That may be great getting him into heaven, but what does it have to do with him getting into the Hall of Fame? Well, because because he's a because he's a because he's a nice Roman devout Roman Catholic, we should throw him in the canton. Really? O.J. Simpson murdered people. He's in the Hall of Fame. Lawrence Taylor solicited prostitutes, did drugs. He's in the Hall of Fame. So when is the Hall of Fame about about essentially having having everyone's everybody got to be a choir boy now? Everyone that has to be a saint. Since when do we make the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame into, into a club of nice guys? It's not what it is. It's about va evaluating football talent. It's all I read today. Paul Flippers, he's just such a nice guy. and Oh, my goodness. He's just such a great guy, Phil Rivers. Oh, my goodness gracious. Who cares? When did it become the Hall of Fame for nice guys? Again, OJ Simpson, Hall of Fame running back. In the court of public opinion, he killed his ex-wife. He is in the Hall of Fame. Lawrence Taylor did drugs, solicited prostitutes. Some were, were around minors, if not were cut and dry. Greatest, probably the greatest defensive player to ever play in the NFL. He's in the Hall of Fame. When did it become the when when did it become a country club for nice guys? I must have missed it. I didn't get a note, I didn't get a fax, didn't get an email. I must have missed it. Okay. When? When did it become the Hall of Fame for nice guys? I must have missed it. Oh my gosh. It's like I read all day today. Well, he's a nice guy. He's this, he's that. It's seeing the Hall of Fame in four years. Sure, don't know about it. Hall of Fame. Hold on now. Pay attention. You mean to tell me what a straight face you watched Philip Rivers play football for 17 years? You saw that he was a, a sure doubt, no doubt about it, Hall of Fame quarterback? Give me a break. Why? Because he's five, fifth all time in passing yards and touchdown passes. That's it. No all pros, no offensive player of the years, no MVPs, no nothing. Five and seven in the playoffs? Well, we'll forget about that. Can name you many a playoff games where he was awful in the games. Awful. Oh my goodness gracious. All I read today. 
Everyone, everyone throwing bouquets at Philip Rivers. Stop. And again, one more time, one more time. Show me a signature moment of his career that you can point to and say, ah, he, that's the works of a Hall of Fame quarterback. You can't find one. You can't find one. If you're looking at it fair and objectively, objectively and honestly, you can't find one. You know why? Because he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. And one last thing. If you have to ask the question, is Philip Rivers a Hall of Fame quarterback? If you have to ask that question, if you have to form that question in your brain and speak it out into the ether... You know what? Nine times out of ten, he isn't a Hall of Fame quarterback. Take a break. Recap Divisional Weekend right after this. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now to a divisional round weekend in the National Football League that was. Um, recap the four games in the order of uh, their conclusion. Game number one. And before I get to that, last thing on Rivers. You know, just because he was a fierce competitor and, you know, never gave up. You know, was a fighter. You know, never threw in the towel. Never went down easy without a. That that's you know, a that shouldn't qualify you for the Hall of Fame. Not necessarily, it shouldn't. Just because you play with, just because you play with heart and have a competitive spirit and have a great competitive spirit, doesn't mean that you know, that uh, you know that you should always you know make the Hall of Fame for one. And number two, you know, it's again, it's not like that Philip Rivers is a bad person or or a terrible human being or I don't like Philip Rivers. It's just that I think that he is not qualified for the Hall of Fame. And and you know, it is what it is. You know, he played seventeen years, you know, seventeen years in the NFL, you know, that's you know that's that's something that's that's an accomplishment for the longevity factor and the fact that he you know was like in the top five all time whatever it is in consecutive games play. No one's disputing his competitive edge and his toughness and his durability and his uh, cons- competitive spirit. I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer, and I don't think the fact uh, that he has those great attributes should uh, get him into the Hall of Fame on their own. When we don't essentially have that same criteria when it comes to all when it comes to uh, all the other players in the NFL, but anyway, that's uh, that's water underneath the bridge now. 
Moving on to the playoffs uh, with the Rams and the Packers. Rams destroyed the Packers 32-18. My main takeaways from this game is that, A, Aaron Rodgers is still a bad man, as my man Stephen A. Smith likes to say. He was absolutely phenomenal. 23 of 36, 296 yards passing, two touchdowns. Had a uh, had that nice fake run play, or he had that nice uh, fake jump pass thing that he did to uh, score the touchdown inside the red zone. There he ran for a touchdown in that game. Also, uh, you know, I had to uh, bring that up. But boy, is he a bad man! I mean, the way he throws the football is just so effortless and just so suave, nonchalant. I mean, it just comes out of his hand just so beautifully and perfectly i've never seen a better i've never seen people say mahomes uh, the best quarterback i've ever seen throw a football in the nfl is aaron freaking Rodgers. i mean it just it comes out of his hand with such ease and with such effort and he looks so suave and so badass when he does it too I mean, it's just, he just drops back, drops back, three-step drops, sees his target, set, boom, and just, it just comes out of his hand, tight, beautiful spiral with ease. Like It's like he doesn't even have to work to, to, to get the football out of his hand. He does it, he does it so effortlessly. I mean, he does it so well, it, 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 it looks, it looks easy, for crying out loud. And he, he is just such a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Oh my goodness gracious. Is he is he phenomenal? And, and 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 give him credit. He tore. I did not think that Green Bay was going to score thirty two points in this. I of course had Green Bay to win the game, but I did not expect them to put up over thirty points against the best defense in the National Football League. And the Ram, and from a Rams perspective, and Aaron Jones of course had a phenomenal day running the football as well. Fourteen carries, ninety nine yards rushing, and a touchdown. Uh, in a touchdown run, Alan Lazard had a four reception, ninety six yards. They called a touchdown pass as well. Uh, that nice, uh, that nice bomb down the middle of the field from Aaron Rodgers, uh, late, late in the second half. But from a Ram perspective, you know, a it sucks that your defense essentially picked the worst possible time. Now, granted, it's against Aaron Rodgers, so you can't really say you can't really scream too much. And you did upset the Seattle Seahawks winning the playoff game, albeit no fans in Seattle with Jared Goff, who wasn't even supposed to play in that game. But if you're a Rams fan, you had to be disappointed and frustrated with the fact that your defense, which, again, best defense in all of football in points allowed and in total yards, number one defense all all across the board, you had to been disappointed and pissed off at the fact that your defense essentially Waited until divisional divisional weekend of the NFL playoffs to crap the bed and have their worst performance to have their worst defensive performance of the season giving up giving up thirty two points, or or the second worst performance of the season because they did give up thirty they did give up uh, thirty five points to Buffalo, but but other than giving up thirty five points to Buffalo, this defense their defense has held their opponents under thirty points. From uh, from uh, week from bet from week three against Buffalo on, they have held their opponents under thirty. They've held their opponents under thirty points, and the fact that they essentially for the second time, you know, for the second time, first since 
late September that their defense gave up 30 points. You got to be frustrated about that. You also, you know, and, you know, and they just, and they were flustered early in the beginning of the game. Many of undisciplined, stupid, bonehead, asinine penalties. Aaron Donald got himself in trouble with that fifteen with that fifteen yard personal foul penalty, which which was stupid. The Packers were in his head right from the get go. They were, you know, Devontae Adams was in uh, Jalen Ramsey's head from the very beginning. You know, they just did not have a grip and were just out of sorts as soon as uh, the whistle blew to begin the game on Saturday afternoon. They were just out of they were just out of sorts. And out of touch. The defense was bad. They were undisciplined. They did not play "quote unquote" championship football. And Jared Goff, I understand he was 20, 21 or twenty seven, but you cannot, under any circumstances, I, I, even though I did predict that the Packers were going to, you know, score less than thirty points, you can't throw for one hundred seventy four yards and one touchdown pass, beating beating Aaron, trying to beat Aaron Rodgers come playoff time in Lambeau in cold in cold Lambeau Field. You just can't. I understand. You know, through six incompletions in the game, but but when you at but when you're averaging six yards a pass and you throw the ball for less than 175 yards, less than 180 yards, and one touchdown pass, you can't beat Aaron Rodgers. And come playoff time in Lambeau Field, it's just it's not going to happen, and it's not going to work. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is, and the way I see it is that that the Rams cannot win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff at quarterback. I think. Sean McVay is starting to realize that, and the Rams fans that have a clue, not uh, Mike in Orange County, who you know who loves golf and defended him and defended him to the cows came home on Saturday, trying to tell me that he played a great game. Mike, 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 hundred seventy four yards, one touchdown pass against the Green Bay Packers defense, which isn't exactly. Uh, which isn't exactly, you know, the uh, version from the '60s with Lombardi. I can't sit up here and listen to golf having a having a great performance when they only put up uh, when they only put up 18 points. I I can't listen to that. But I but I think that you're starting to see and realize if you're paying attention that Jared Goff cannot win the Rams a Super Bowl championship. I don't I don't care how, I don't care. How great their defense is! I don't care what Aaron Donald does. I don't care how many yards Cam Akers runs for, and I don't care about you know the wonder boy Sean McVay and his coaching genius. If you if your quarterback play is is out of is out of is out of order, you got no shot. And I think as long as Jared Goff is behind center for the Los Angeles Rams, the Rams don't have a chance in hell winning a Super Bowl with Goff at quarterback. The closest they ever got. And I don't think it'll, and I think it'll be the closest that Goff will ever get for the rest of his career is Super Bowl Fifty Three against the Patriots, and he blew it. So, it is it, it it is what it is. Game number two between the Ravens and the Buffalo Bills. The Ravens, the rate from a Ravens standpoint, and then I'll get the Buffalo from Ravens standpoint. The Raven, the Ravens have issues. Okay, the Ravens have issues. They got I don't, I mean, it was just. And and again, I and I'm a Lamar Jackson fan, and I have been critical of him as as of late. And, you know, in the last playoff loss, I, I you know I trolled him. I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do that this time around because I actually wanted the Ravens to do a little to do a little something uh, come this postseason. But the but the bottom but the Ra- but the Baltimore Ravens have have uh, have tremendous 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 flaws offensively. You know they've 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 averaged less than twenty points 
They've laver- they've averaged less than twenty points in the playoffs with Lamar with Lamar with, since Lamar Jackson's been their starting quarterback. Have you know, did you know that? Less than twenty points. Okay, their offense is absolutely magnificent on fire through weeks one through one through seventeen, and they and their offense is inept, inept. Didn't score a touchdown in the game, inept on Saturday night. Okay, and I understand, and I understand Lamar. You know the uh, the ugly beast has reared its head again. Going to come playoff time, but but it'd be unfair to basically say that this that this loss was all on Lamar. Granted, the Ravens fans, the Ravens fans, some of y'all out there got to wake up a little bit. And you know, stop and you know, and don't have the standard where when the Ravens win, Lamar Jackson's the greatest player of all time, and then when he stinks up the joint come playoff time, make every excuse known to man for his piss poor performances and his piss poor play. Greg Roman's play calling wasn't exactly uh, Brian Billick of the nineteen ninety eight uh, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I I had no idea what the hell Greg Roman's game plan was heading into that game. Wide receivers dropping passes left and right, including the running back Dobbins dropping the ball that hit him right in his chest. Mark Andrews, you know, had a had a touchdown pass, had a touchdown pass, I believe, not too long before that. Uh, if I if I have that right, if I don't, I apologize. But I think a few plays before that hundred and one uh, pick six, which essentially iced the game, he had a ball. It might have been that. It might have been that, or it might have been the other quarterback that came behind Lamar after the pick six. But he had a play in late in the second half where the ball hit Mark Andrews right in between his hands. Where all where all he does if he just holds on to the football, the Ravens are back in the game. And and that's about and that's about the second time I can, second third time I can recall Mark Andrews to tight end, which is Lamar Jackson's safety net being a complete and utter issue in big games. Dropped dropped a million passes in the Tennessee game last year and was pathetic, pathetic in the game on Saturday night. Special teams, unusual, which was, you know, out of the ordinary. Special teams were sloppy. Had a bad punt by Cook in the first half. In the, uh, in, in the, uh, in the first half, Justin Tucker hit the upright, you know, missed two field goals hitting the uprights, something that he's never, ever done in his career and probably will never do again and do part of the win. And then maybe Tucker just didn't have it that night. Who knows? But special teams was unusually sloppy. Offensive play calling wasn't great. Wide receivers, again, not helping matters. Dropping every pass, you know, thrown in their direction. Couldn't catch coronavirus if they licked the bottom of a toilet in Wuhan, China in the middle of uh, March. And then, of course, and then, you know, and in a defense, granted, the defense didn't give up that many, didn't give up that many points, all things being considered. But when... You know they only gave they only gave up ten points offensively, but on the touchdown to but on the touchdown to Diggs, you know you know I don't understand what the D, what Wink Martindale's philosophy was. You know when they have that when they had that bunch formate when they had that bunch formation. You know when they had that bunch formation at near the goal line. And Baltimore and Baltimore didn't know how to com- how to combat it, and and the and Buffalo ran that screenplay with the bunch formation uh, perfectly to a T, and ended up getting a touchdown, I believe, out of Stephon Diggs as as a result. And then not to mention the offensive line was absolutely pathetic. The center again, that's about the second game this season I didn't seen when the Ravens center when Ravens centers don't know how to snap the damn ball right. You know, snapping the ball 30, 30, 15 yards over Lamar Jackson's head instead of directly to him. Not to mention Lamar Jackson got sacked 
three times on set on Saturday night. So it it, it was it was on it was the fault of their loss not just falls on Lamar Jackson, falls on everybody, falls on Arbaugh, their coach, it falls on Roman and it falls on Roman. You know, Martindale had that one little foul up, but I'll cut him a break. But it falls on Roman. It falls on Harbaugh. It falls on Lamar Jackson. It falls on the offensive line. It falls on the wide receivers dropping passes. It falls on Mark Andrews dropping a touchdown pass. It falls on J.K. Dons for dropping a couple passes coming out the backfield. So it was a team loss all the way around. And and, it's, and it falls on Lamar Jackson as well. He did not play great. He did not play great in the game. He was 14-24. to 24. Again, can't win games when you're throwing for, for a buck 62, for throwing a buck 62, averaging about seven yards a pass near almost. And then, of course, he made a terrible, terrible read on, on, the, uh, on the pick six, which, uh, which iced the game away. So it was just, and they couldn't run the football, and they couldn't run the football well on Saturday night either. Not just with Lamar, but also with Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. They couldn't run the ball. And the thing that troubles me with Lamar Jackson is that I wonder if if the Baltimore Ravens can win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson with the style of play that he has. I want, I want, I wonder, you know. It and it's no secret why. The Michael Vicks of the world never won a, you know, never won a, uh, the Michael Vicks, the RG3s of the world never won a, uh, never won nor got to a Super Bowl. I, you know, I understand, you know, don't fit into this little cookie cutter box everyone, you know, wants to put Lamar into, be your own type of player. I get that. But I worry that Lamar Jackson won't won't be able to deliver the goods for the city of Baltimore as far as delivering a championship, fulfilling on his promise when he got drafted with his style of play. I worry because, to be fair, you have to look at it fair and objectively, he he runs first before he decides to pass. His first instinct is to run. And to last in this league, not just as far as winning games, but health-wise, in order to last in this league, you got to throw the football and make running your absolute last option. Cam Newton got to a Super Bowl, but he didn't win it. And Cam Newton's career most likely is going to end without him getting a championship. It's no coincidence why. Because eventually the pixie dust runs out and you get pretty easy to opposing defenses of with the game of constructing their game plans on how to stop you. Nothing against Lamar personally, nothing against Lamar as a person or as an individual. I'm a Lamar Jackson fan, but it's just but it's just the but it's just the way it is. It's the way it is. And last thing about the Ravens, and I'll touch Buffalo for a quick minute, get to the other two games and take a break. You know, what, when it comes to the Ravens, you know, why bother having Des Bryant on your team, you're not gonna throw him. You're not gonna throw him the football. He got he he here. You wanted to hear Des Bryant's stat line: zero receptions, zero yards, zero touchdowns, one target, one target. You can't. Well, I mean, what I I understand that Des Bryant is a good feel good comeback story because he tore his ACL when the Saints signed him last year. But what's the point of having Des Bryant on your what's the point of having Des Bryant on your roster if you're not gonna make an effort to to give him to get him the football? 
I mean, I understand Des Bryant isn't a 2013-2014 Des Bryant, but he has experience being a number one target in the NFL. He was, he was Tony Romo's main man for all those years down in Dallas. Why bother having him on the roster? What, just for decoration? You can throw him a couple, you know, sentimental touchdown passes and, a, and meaningless blog games against Jacksonville? No, no, no. You got Des Bryant on your roster who's got experience in playing in playoff games. Throw him the damn football. You got Des. You got Des Bryant. Use him, okay? He's not. He's not there simply just for decoration and just another player that's on the Ravens payroll. You got Des Bryant on your roster. You use him. Simple, plain, plain and simple. Simple. As uh, got the family clapping downstairs. Uh, you know that's. Uh, what you get and you record, you know, been recording in your house all this time. You get this background noise stomping and clapping and all that nonsense. But as far as, uh, but as far as the other games are, con but as far as the other games are concerned, uh, when it comes to, uh, the, when it comes to the Browns and Cleveland, I don't understand, I don't understand, uh, I, I didn't understand, uh, Stefanski's logic I didn't understand Stefanski's logic at the end of that game. You know, Stefanski, he didn't, he did not handle, he did not, man, he, that was a bad challenge. I understand, you know, it looks like that Tyree Kill might have lost possession. That was a bad challenge. They should have challenged to play with, uh, they should have challenged to play in that game where, where it might have been a third and long or fourth down for Kansas City in the game. Later in that fourth quarter, he should have challenged it, but he couldn't because he didn't want to risk a timeout, risk a chance losing the challenge. The catch with Hill, I would have let go. I understand it looked close, but you look at it on replay. If the replay official up in the booth for Cleveland's got to see that Hill never lost control of that football, and it, I don't even think it even touched the ground in the process when Hill was competing in that catch. That was a bad challenge. He didn't use manage his timeouts properly, and he couldn't get down the field after that interception that they had number 42 to safety on a lob pass to by Chad Henney into the end zone. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't capitalize off of, off of a vital turnover to work a work the clock and b put the game away. They couldn't do anything. They had, they had to punt, and then and then on top of that, and then then they didn't manage the timeouts. And then on top of that. Their defense spit the their defense spit the bit, and the whole worry was was the secondary, the secondary, the secondary. What was the def What was their linebacking crew and their defensive line to them? Sack Henny, get to Henny. Linebackers got to be someone there that I understand was a third and fourteen. But my goodness gracious, how do you allow Chad Henny and run for basically thirteen and a half yards to set up Kansas City for a fourth and inches? I mean, my, I mean, come on, guys, pay attention. My goodness gracious, get yourselves together, please. I understand Stefanski's going to go, you know, is going to most likely is going to get coach of the year, but that was not a coach of the year worthy performance on Sunday because the Browns had because the Browns had that game. As soon as Mahomes went out, that that shouldn't have been that shouldn't have been any reason why Cleveland should have lost that game on uh, on Sunday afternoon, but they did because of Stefanski and because the defense was absolutely because the defense was absolutely horrendous. Now on to Kansas City right and on to Kansas City right quick, on to Kansas City right quick. Okay, the fact that that the fact that they did not call a helmet to helmet play 
And I call a helmet-to-helmet play on the end of the half is absolutely despicable. How are the, I understand, and I understand I don't want it to be like college where the game takes four hours to complete because every five seconds we're looking to see if it's illegal helmet-to-helmet contact. But my goodness gracious, how does the ref who's standing there, I don't know what it is, I don't understand. These refs, refs referee these games with their eye closed with a bandana over their eyes. I mean, I don't understand what they're looking at. You're standing right there looking at the play, and you clearly don't see the helmet-to-helmet contact to the point where if this play happened in college, the player would have gotten ejected, the touchback wouldn't have counted, and it would have resulted in a first and goal for Cleveland at uh, at Kansas City's one-yard line. But because it is in college, just the NFL, and because they don't review the helmet-to-helmet hits, and because the touchback, it's just a dumb, stupid, asinine touchback rule where the ball goes out of bounds through the end zone. It's a touchback. The other team gets the ball to the 20-yard line. It's just, it's just a dumb rule. It's, it's, it's just a completely asinine, stupid rule. Granted, Cleveland, granted, it was a helmet-to-helmet hit, and, it, and that rule shouldn't have mattered because it wasn't a legal helmet-to-helmet hit. It should have been Cleveland's ball at the, at the, uh, at the Cleveland one-inch, at, uh, at the Kansas City one-inch line. But my, but, my good, but my goodness gracious, I mean, and, and a touchback rule stinks. I mean, it goes through the end zone. I mean, think about it. Anywhere on the football field, you can fumble the ball out of bounds without it being touched, and it still remains the offense's possession. But you fumble it out the end zone magically, it's the it's the defense it's the defense's ball and their offense gets the ball at the twenty yard line and you and you don't get a chance to score. That's totally unfair, totally inconsistent. If you're arguing that other on the other way or the, or otherwise, you, you you need your head examined. How does that make sense? You fumble the ball out out of bounds. At, so let me get this straight. If the, if they would have fumbled the ball out of bounds at at Kansas City's five yard line, and no one had touched it. It would have it stayed. It would have stayed Cleveland's ball. And then the logic doesn't make sense when you fumble it out the end zone. I'm not saying it should count for a touchdown. And if you want to move them back automatically to the 20 yard line, fine. Or moving back to the original line of scrimmage, fine. But the fact that they lose possession when they fumble the ball out of bounds that isn't even that isn't even touched by the defense, it's a bad rule. I don't care what anybody says. It's a bad rule. But Cleveland and Cleveland had plenty of chances, so it's not like that. I mean, it had a difference in the game. Granted, don't get me wrong, but Cleveland had plenty of chances in that game to take the lead, especially when Chad Henney came in for the injured Patrick Mahomes. And I and I understand Baker Mayfield threw for two hundred and four yards. I'm not going to. I'm not. I, and, and it wasn't his best performance that he's had. You know that he's had this season. But I'm not going to kill Baker Mayfield. You know, and he's essentially played perfect football for a month and a half, and coming off of a uh, phenomenal, magnificent performance against the Steelers in the playoffs last week. He'll learn. It's his second. Remember, it's his first time ever in the playoffs. You know, if you know, if you would have turned, if you would have turned the clock back, 2018. You know, my 16 year old self would have been killing him left and right. But Baker Mayfield's grown on me now. He's had a hell of a season. I give I, a phenomenal performance against uh, against uh, Pittsburgh. Going on two weeks ago, I'll give him a I'll give him a pass, but I'll give him a pass. But you gotta, but but Stefanski and the defense cost cost Cleveland to uh, from winning that football game. And then lastly, the last game of the night on uh on Sunday between Tampa and the Saints. And if it was and if it wasn't more evident. 
that uh, Drew Brees, which he ended up doing, uh, retiring. I mean, the guy cannot throw the ball past 10, 15 yards. I mean, the longest pass they had in the game was Jameis Winston off a trick play they stole from the Bears the week before where Wims catches catch the pass that my 15, that my 15-year-old sister could have caught. Maybe, uh, maybe who knows, the Bears would have won that game. But but the but the Buccaneers get the Saints in round three. I understand. I and I did come on here and mention that you know that teams have beat that teams have beaten opponents three times. You know, of course, two times the division rival regular season, the third time in the playoffs. It's happened in the past more often than you think it has. But looking back on it in retrospect, I understand hindsight's twenty twenty. But you'd be crazy to think I don't care who Brady has as his head coach. You'd be crazy to think that Tom Brady's going to lose to the same team, division opponent, no less, three times in a row. And, you know, especially that, you know, that it's a different Buck team than what we saw back in November and back in uh, and back in September week one. So the Bucks get to the NFC Championship game. They will play Green Bay. But Bills move on to the AFC Championship game to play Kansas City. Bills defense was absolutely phenomenal in the game on a Saturday night. Uh, the Bills' offense wasn't great, but it did just good enough to win. And again, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, top five wide receiver quarterback, or excuse me, quarterback wide receiver combo in the National Football League. No debate, no questions about it. Top five in the league. Take a break, get on to some baseball things coming up right after this. Welcome back to the I'm Teleka TIS podcast. Switching gears now, some Major League Baseball got some off-season news to address, uh, some free agency signings and some trades I want to address to close out the program. But first, got a little uh, item of news to get to uh, that uh, occurred over the last uh, couple of days. Uh, the New York Mets GM Jared Porter he is now canned and will never work in and and will never. Uh, and will never work in baseball again. Will never work in uh, baseball again, uh, for because he uh got caught sending send uh essentially. I'm not gonna beat around the bush and give you the politically correct language. He got he got in trouble because he he was caught sexting yes sexting 
a, a foreign female baseball reporter, and he got and he got can't he got 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 canned for it, and now he will be no longer the GM for the uh, New York Mets. Mets say that they will won't hire a new GM until next off season after the 2020 season, which is a bit odd, you know, considering that they have a little time, a month out from spring training. It is middle of January. It's not necessarily, you know, that this happened in the middle of the season. So, but anyway, that's the Mets. They do what they do. Uh, low Mets never takes a day off, but got in trouble for doing that when he was a member, director of uh, professional personnel with the Chicago Cubs the year they won the World Series, as a matter of fact, back in August of 2016. Sent this woman 62... Uh, straight text messages, I mean, to the point where, and this woman obviously didn't understand the English language all that well, so not only is it, like, weird and appropriate behavior, but then you, but then you try to, try experiencing this, you know, when, when English is not your first or native language, to the point where she had to leave the country and she got out of uh, journalism altogether, but uh which is which is which is unfortunate and which is sad and and on the part of Porter's part is just disgusting, awful, pathetic, nasty, uh despicable, uh indecent, juvenile, and just flat out immature and 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 pathetic to be quite honest with you. I mean Take it from someone that's that take it from someone that's gotten rejected by that's gotten rejected by girls in you know in in their early life or you know in their young life. Take it from me. If they're not interested after the for after the first uh two to three messages, odds are they're not interested in you. Now would it help if they sat up there and they said Hey, I'm not interested, you know, such and such and such the common courtesy? Yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. But if that, but if you get the warning signs, and not just with him, but not just with you know when it comes to seeking romantic relationships, but just in general, if someone isn't interested to talk to you after the first, second, third, fourth, dare I say, fifth try, then you should take a hint, get a clue, and realize they're not interested. Move on, to, move on, you know, move on to the next, move on to the next person. I mean, it's just plain old texting courtesy and texting decency and common sense. If you're not interested after at the most five tries, then sit up here and move on. Move on. I mean, I don't understand what's so hard to understand about, you know, with a lot of these guys out here in, in, in today's day and age. You know, they just keep texting and DMing and DMing and DMing and they don't know when to freaking stop. Like, dude, she's not interested in you. <laughs> get a grip. Get a life. Get... Get realistic, act like an adult, move on. Like holy crap, it's not that serious. And if she and it's and and if you can't and, and take a hint, she ain't interested in you. All right, jeez, move on. Oh my goodness gracious, I mean this guy, you know, put you know, texting a picture of his. I mean ESPN. I mean jeez. I mean Jesus. I mean. Jeff Passon, Mina Kimes, I mean, my goodness gracious, who wrote the story for ESPN? I mean, culminating, I'm reading this off the ESPN website, culminating with a picture of an erect naked penis. I mean, holy crap, ESPN. I mean, I understand that it's a serious adult matter, but did you have to add the word erect in there? What difference if it's erect or not? The guy, the guy texted a picture of his penis 
to a to a stranger. Okay, and you and don't you don't have to add the you don't have to add the graphic colorful adjectives in there. Whether whether it's whether it's soft or hard, awake or asleep, has nothing to do with his out of with his out of line inappropriate behavior. <laughs> like Jeff and Mina, you could have done without that adjective, please. I mean, it is ESPN after all. You know, let's. Uh, I understand it's a and it's an adult matter. And we're all adults here, but you get, but you don't have to be so, you don't have to be so, so damn crass when you're writing your story. I mean, my, whether, who gives a damn whether, I mean, that's information that's irrelevant. The, the guy, the guy texted a picture of his private parts to, to, to a stranger that obviously wasn't interested in him. That's, that's irrelevant and inappropriate in and of its, in and of itself. My goodness gracious. But I mean, and, and and guys gotta realize also it just just not just with this guy, but just in general, you know. I don't and I don't understand, and this is part of the social media aspect as a whole. In this day and age of cell phones and texting and all this other stuff, I don't understand why, why guys like, why guys like. I mean, if you're in a relationship, intimate relationship, fine, okay, fine, so be it. But I wouldn't do it me personally, but because, because, you know, you get your, I mean, you know, you get yourself hacked, you know, you get yourself, I mean, there's been many cases of celebrities that celebrities that you can, that you can find out, you can name that have landed themselves in hot water because, you know, they may be, you know, texting nudes or texting pictures of their private areas with their significant other. And because they got these iPhones and, and these iCloud, you know, and have it all uploaded on their iCloud account, all it takes is for them to get hacked and someone to access the pictures and the videos. And next thing you know, it's out there on the internet for the whole world to see. So I wouldn't do it me personally. But, you know, but if it's between, uh, but if it's between a relationship between two people, okay, fine. But the idea with all these other guys, and he's not the only one, all these guys that feel like it's necessary to, you know, that it's necessary to basically, you know, text, text and send a picture of a, of, of his, uh, of his, uh, of his ding dong to a lady to, you know, I don't, I don't understand the logic of that whatsoever. I don't understand the logic of it. I mean, isn't the goal of relationship is to work up to that? I mean, I mean if, if she isn't interested based on your personality, if she isn't interested based on your personality and, uh, and your attitude and how you treat her as a person, I don't think you sending a picture of your of your dong is going to change her is going to change her mind unless the lady you're 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 trying to that you're trying to uh, seek relationship with is a is a uh, is a is a uh, is a prostitute. But a lot of times these women, you know, are self are self respecting people that aren't out there selling themselves on the streets. A la GTA Five, GTA San Andreas. They have a little bit, you know, they are self respecting people that have jobs and aren't. And you know that's got that's got a that's got a that's got some respect about them and and aren't like that. So and they're not gonna you know and they're not gonna sell themselves and 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 showcase themselves like that to the world to the uh, to the world and to other people and to and to strangers. So I I just I don't understand you know the the why guys do that and and a lot of t- and 
And a lot of times I feel like now, and I'm not trying to generalize, but a lot of times I feel like it's it's a lot of these white guys that do it, you know, that with these sending news and taking pictures of their dong and sending. I just don't understand the need for it, why they do it. It's it's juvenile. A, it's disgusting. No one wants to see that unless unless they see it actually in in person. You know, one on one. First off, no one wants to see a picture of it because uh, because you know because even if you do, because uh, because at least from what I've heard, you know, girls that complain about it, they you know that they they you know they're not the camera isn't positioned right, the the lighting in the room and all the other technicality bullcrap. But I just don't understand why they do it. I mean, it's immature. It's nasty. It's vile. It's disgusting. It's it 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 it, it it's just it's just really it's it's in. It's just so damn crass, you know. Why would you ever stoop yourself down low to that freaking level? I mean, that damn desperate. I mean, Jesus, man, get a get a grip and get a damn clue and grow the hell up, will you, please? But he'll never he'll never work he'll never work again. Uh, this was August the 11th. Uh, this guy kept trying and trying and obviously didn't get the damn message. She hasn't pursued any criminal charges, which, and if she won't, the, this man should should hit his knees every night and thank the good Lord that he won't face criminal charges for doing this. Could get suspended by Major League Baseball and probably most likely will never work in the sport again. So he, so he's finished, but, and he, and he lost his job to the Mets uh, earlier this week. I mean, really, Jared, this is what we're going to do now? I mean, I, I just, I don't get it. And again, aren't you trying, and even if that's the goal of of the relationship you're trying to pursue, wouldn't you want that to be like your, you know, your grand finale, like, congratulations, you're my special someone, you get to see and do whatever you want with, you know, with me and, and parts of my body. But instead, we're going to sit up here and take a picture of it and, and text it because we're trying because we think we're trying to be cute or hot or whatever the hell was wrong with these psychotic bastards that do that do that that do this sick foolishness. I just I I, I don't understand. I don't understand it, and I and I and I just don't get it. It's not cute. It's not funny. It's not attractive. You come off like a horse's ass, to be quite honest with you. Uh, that then that's my uh, two cents on it, and I'll go no further. Take a break. Get on to some real MLB uh, off-season news as far as trades and player movement are involved. Coming up after the break. Something without falling in love. Bears giving. 
What's good, everybody? Oh, jeez, I came out that break like I was beginning the show. I apologize. Welcome back to the Hamatelli TIS podcast. My goodness gracious. Um, got some baseball news to address. Got some baseball news, off-season news, on-the-field stuff to address before we uh, say goodbye. The New York Yankees, uh, I'll go. I'll just list them for you and give you my thoughts on them. Yankees get Clory uh, Kluber. Uh, that occurred uh, over the last couple of days. They extend their uh, M- their what was their MVP candidate for the last uh, couple of seasons for the Yankees. They extend DJ LeMahieu. They did that uh, last Friday. They did that last Friday, and then uh, George Springer is a Toronto Blue Jay, and that being the biggest news, I'll begin with that first. George Springer and the Blue Jays agreed to a six-year, one hundred fifty million dollar deal. Uh, Toronto, of course, was the team that, because of the extended playoffs, made the postseason last year. They lost to the eventual American League champion, uh, Tampa Bay Rays, uh, in the wild card series back in October. Um, he is uh, he's headed to the spring training facility, which in baseball looks like they'll plan to uh, start the season on time. Um and uh, he had two sixty five last year, thirty two RBIs, played fifty one games for the Astros last year, and lowering his strikeout rate if you care to seventeen point one percent, a career best. He of course uh, was the World Series MVP in two thousand and seventeen and the uh, tainted championship for the uh, Houston, for the uh, Houston Astros, three time All Star from twenty seventeen to two thousand nineteen. Uh, as well, and he's got 19 postseason home runs. The Blue Jays, of course, are a team that is looking to have a big-time, big-time, big-time handful of seasons, you know, having a handful of season runs um, uh, as far as postseason baseball are concerned. Again, they made it to the postseason last year. Vlad Guerrero Jr. lost a ton of weight. I saw that a few days ago. Looks like he should be in, in a very, very good shape for Toronto to be successful for their ball club. And Toronto is the team that uh, could be a dark horse to put to get one of the wild card spots, if not not even dark horse, but is uh, right there in the American League of re- of getting one of those wild card spots in the American League to make a postseason run. Be interesting to see uh, whether uh, whether the Blue Jays. I, I understand this isn't like an issue that's been talked about, but I want, but I wonder. But I wonder if, um, but I wonder if the Blue Jays are going to play in Buffalo uh, like they did last year, or play in Toronto. It all depends on you know if if you know it all depends come springtime, come April, where we are with coronavirus as far as the Canadian, the American governments are concerned as far as crossing the border back and forth. If not, yeah, I'd expect to see uh, it, I'd expect to see Toronto play in Buffalo. In the 2021 season, uh, be good, interesting to see if they'll have fans in the stands. But if not, then that'll be certainly uh, be uh, understandable. Uh, that's news item number one. Uh, and uh, A's and Angels, Mike and Yossi for you. They reach a deal with left-handed pitcher, uh, formerly of the uh, formerly of the Chicago White Sox, Jose Quintana. Uh, let's see. J. A. Happ is now a member of the twin. Is now the member of the uh, Minnesota Twins. They agreed to a deal uh, earlier today. As a matter of fact, uh, formerly of the New York Yankees. 
uh, formerly of the New York Yankees. Uh, so he should be he should be a a solid starter amongst that rotation. The Twins, of course, you know one of the best regulars in the American League. Then again, letting it go down, letting it go to waste down the drain, losing to the Astros in the Wild Card Series back in October. Uh, Brantley, two-year extension with the Astros as well. Um, let's see. Any other news? Yeah, Corey Kluber going to the Yankees. Yankees essentially got him so they can, you know, to make five postseason starts. They don't need them throughout the 162-game regular season. They need him for, you know, J.A. Happ obviously wasn't cutting it for them. So they get Corey Kluber to, you know, who's who had a, who had a uh, very good year. A few years ago in 2017, you know, he, of course, is not the ace. That's Garrett Cole's job, but he will be there uh, to basically, you know, to pitch in uh, about five uh, postseason starts for the Yankees to uh, get them home and try to get the Yankees to win a title. The 2010s decade was the first time in in 100 years where a decade went by where the New York Yankees did not not appear, let alone win a uh, World Series. A championship. They extend DJ LeMahieu, uh, which was an MVP candidate a few seasons ago. Uh, so they extended him. That's a solid bet that they will remain having uh, throughout their lineup for uh, for the Yankees' uh, future and beyond. And uh, that's really. Let's see if I got everything for you there. That's really all that there has been. Uh, let's see. Uh, Pedro Baez, two-year deal with the Astros, but that's about it. Springer is a Blue Jay, which will help him give him lots of pop throughout that lineup, be a sort of like a Robin to uh, Vlad, Vlad Jr.'s Batman. Uh, Yankees get Kluber, extend LeMahieu for a couple of years. And the Yan- and the Twins get former Yankee starting pitcher J. A. Happ, and that is where you stand as far as the baseball is concerned. And that is your program. Another episode of the I'm Telling You Tell podcast is in the books. Get our man Brendan on the show this weekend, the recap divisional uh, weekend. Look for the championship Sunday. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. The show on Twitter at Amatella underscore it T-I-S. The show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast. It's your boy Josh Shields. Y'all stay safe. Y'all take care. Talk to you this weekend. See ya.